Good morning. Welcome to Get Up With God. It's great to see you this beautiful morning. Today, our devotional, I want to talk to you about what to do during bad times in your life. What are some of the things that the word tells us to do to get ready? Today's going to be a powerful study. This will help you in your life. Take some notes today, grab a Bible, pen and paper, uh, take some of these things down. And of course, we'll put the six points up on the screen so you can follow along with the scriptures and all the different things that we have for you. But today is going to be powerful. I encourage you to uh, follow along with us in the Bible so that you can see these things. For example, today we're going to uh, utilize a lot of the um the principles of the word, the things that are ever consistent with God's things. You know, I think one of the most important things that we can do is find out how God operates and then operate that way in our own life. Um, God has set things in place. He is, he has set words into motion from the beginning of time. And from once he says something, that's how it is. He doesn't change frequently. He's not like humans where in the sense that we were created in his likeness, that we that is true, but we're a fallen being in the sense that we have there's sin involved now on the earth. And he's not schizophrenic. He doesn't say something and then change his mind and go back a different way. God is very consistent. Once he speaks, that's the way things are. So if he did something and made something happen for someone, you can take that as a promise for yourself. You can take that as an example of something he would do, especially if he's done it multiple times, especially if he's done it for people in the newer Testament where Jesus has come and we see the dispensation that we're presently in now, but this will help you today. Chapter or chapter one, point number one, let's get into this point. Number one is there are re, there are seasons in life. Bad times don't last. Go ahead and say that to yourself. Make that, you know, acknowledge that statement that there are bad times. There, there are going to be bad times, but there's good times. But there are seasons in life. Not everything is just forever how it's going to be. And a lot of times we get the feeling of that. Like the way things are now is how it's always going to be. It's never going to change. It's been this way for a long time. Things aren't going to change. Well, I'm here to tell you today, things are going to change. There are seasons in life. And bad times are temporary. Those things are going to turn, are going to change. Uh, turn with me into Ecclesiastes, the third chapter, Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse one. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break. And a time to build a uh, time to break down and a time to build up a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear. Now that's a word for some, some hoarders that people that hoard things and keep things forever for no reason. There's a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to sow a time to keep silence, a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, and a time of war, and a time of peace. Now take that into consideration when you say God's not a God of war. No, God is a God of war. You look through all the Old Testament. When he commands his people to take land, when he commands his people to do certain things, there's war involved. There's violence involved. He's not against people. He's against the people that come against his people. 
He doesn't, he, def, God defends his own people. Thank God. What a wonderful thing. So point number two, there are, back to point number one, there are seasons. There are seasons in life. Bad times don't last. Point number two, it is unnecessary for you to know the length of seasons. We're getting to the point of what to do during bad times in your life, but understand this. They don't last forever. But point number two, it is unnecessary for you to know the length of seasons in your life. Turn with me into Acts chapter one and seven. This is a very short verse, but this is an example of Jesus referencing to his disciples, an example of not to be anxious about the times, not, and, and, and Jesus says this in multiple places to his disciples, but here's just an example of it. In Acts chapter one, verse seven, he said, and he said to them, it is not for you, to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. It is not for you to know what time, what season it's going to be. And he has said this multiple cases and multiple times to his disciples that the season is irrelevant. The length of the season is irrelevant. When the next season is coming is irrelevant. But point number three now, point number three is that you'll have an idea of when the next season is coming you'll be able to understand and know based on what's happening around you when the next season is in our midst is when it's going to be coming based on what's happening. You don't know the exact time. You don't know the hour. You don't know the things that are going to happen next, but you can tell the changing of the season. Turn to Matthew. What do we got? Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Jesus responds to his disciples. So don't get anxious. Stay put. Don't worry about when the next thing's going to change, when you're going to get out of the place that you're in. It's going to change. Even the good things, it either gets better or can get worse, but expect change to happen. The only guarantee and consistency that you'll see in life is that there's change. That's the, the only guarantee that you're going to see is that there is going to be change in your life. It doesn't mean always things have to go down. It doesn't mean that you have to get worse, but there's going to be change in things in your life and you've got to be prepared for them because they can happen without you knowing the date that it's going to happen. So it's good to be prepared. Matthew 24, um, what, what verse do we want to start in? Go to verse 32. Verse 32. Jesus said, now learn this parable from the fig tree. Now, there's a prophetic meaning behind this, and I'm not taking anything away from that, but there's a prophetic meaning behind the reason Jesus is explaining this to his disciples. But listen to the example that he gives to explain the prophecy. Now, learn this parable from the fig tree when its branches already become tender, puts forth leaves. So there's a harvest, there's fruit coming for, for or it's bearing fruit in a sense, and puts forth leaves. You know that summer is near. You don't know that it's the date that summer's starting, you know, and I know in our calendars, we have dates that season starts, but who really knows when the actual season begins and when it ends? We've got dates on our calendar when these things begin and when these things end, but the reality of it is you don't know the exact date when something's going to change and you don't know the exact date that something's going to get better or things are going to get different. So it is, it behooves you to be ready and acknowledge what's going on around me that can instigate change. That could potentially tell me that change is coming. So he said, no, you, when you see the branch has already become tender and it puts forth leaves, you know that the summer is near. So you also, when you all see these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will, will, will 
heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Verse 36, but of the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. What's he referring to? He's referring to the return of Jesus or his return to the earth. Verse 37, listen, but as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the son of man be. So he's giving them an idea. When you see certain things happening around you, back up to verse one, or, or verse three, 24, three. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? So that's a better indication is what is the sign that we know you're going to be coming? We don't know the day. We don't know the hour, but what's going to be the sign? How do we know that the season is nigh? that were in that area. He said, Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you for many will come in my name. And then he begins to list off things that we can look for and identify that tell us the season is coming. The season is upon us. It's not here. It doesn't mean we have a date, but we can look around and get a sense of these things. The same with your life. I'm not, I'm not talking about the rapture. That's not why I'm bringing this up, but the same goes for your life. When you understand that there's sense of th- there's a sense of things around you that can indicate change. You should be getting ready for that change. And here's the thing. Point number four. Point number four. Become a participant of regular work and input. Become a participant of regular work and input. Make it habitual in your life to become a regular participant of doing work that produces in your life. What's an example of that? Well, for example, you can believe God and trust God for his promises that he has for you. Yeah, God's promised you some things. Anybody that tells you that there aren't promises from God have nothing but evil in store for those people that they're telling that to. They don't have a good intention for those people. They don't want the best for those people. They they may say, well, I just... You know, people think that God promises them something and, and the reality is that's not the truth. They don't, they have not read their Bible. They're making these things up based on ideas they've conjured up in their own, in their own mind. If you read the Bible, it is full of promises for God's children. And if we'll stand on those and constantly put the work in, well, Dylan, we can't do anything to get those promises. Where did you get this idea? Where have people gotten this idea that there's nothing you that there's nothing you can do to get the promises from God? That's the most ignorant, and I don't mean st- stupid. It is a stupid phrase, but I don't mean you're stupid. You're just very uneducated that you haven't read the Bible and understand that God put triggers in place that when you do this, God does this. When you do these things, God responds to these things. Look through the old. Look through all of the Gospels: Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Every account that Jesus responds to someone who needs healing, needs a miracle, demonic people having demonic force or demonic uh, uh, possessed people having demons cast out of them. None of them were healed until there was action on their part. Jesus had the power to heal them. But why didn't they get healed just because Jesus existed, just because God's a loving God, because it took triggers. And so for our part, the idea that there's no work involved on your part is extremely uneducated ignorant and i'll be quite honest with you immature to think that there's nothing you have to do there's nothing you can do to produce it but god god's the one that makes it happen 
But there's triggers God's put in place for you to access the things that he has for you. So in order to do that, we should be putting work in regularly. Back to point number four. You should become a participant of regular work and input in your life. Go back to Ecclesiastes. Back to the book of Ecclesiastes. You should become a regular participant of work, effort, sowing, putting the time into things. So when the bad time comes, did you know one of the best I wouldn't say the best, you know, spinach and collard greens. Those aren't my favorite things to eat, but they're some of the most hearty foods. They're lasting. Here's why you plant these. You can plant these things in spring and summertime, which is when they're recommended and they will bloom and grow and blossom and grow in the midst of winter. So there's effort and work that can be done during a good time that will produce for you during bad times. And we want to get to a point, I don't want to skip ahead to point number five and six, but there's going to get to a point where we need to be constantly sowing in good times and bad times so that there's a constant uh, producing and re- receiving from what God's promised us in our life. You don't want to just only receive during good times and then dub those things, these are good times. No, I want the sustenance and, and I want the produce from God's promises during bad times of seasons. Just because there's a bad season doesn't mean you have to experience bad seasons. We're going to get into a scripture, but let me read this to you. Point number four, becoming a participant, a regular participant in working and putting time in. Uh, Ecclesiastes 3 and 2 says there's a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. So there's a time to sow, you know, seed. There's a time to plant, and then there's a time to pluck what's been planted. There's two times for those things, but why can't you constantly be plucking and constantly be planting? Because there is a moment that you're going to be planting. And at the moment you're planting, you can't be plucking, but there can be something to pluck. Come on, come on. There can be something for you to pluck by past efforts that you've already planted by Uh, verse three says, and there's a time to break down and there's a time to build up. So there's times in place for you to put certain work in certain times for things to produce, but there's no reason you can't have things coming in the future. Point number five, point number five, every day, say this out loud, say this one with me. Every day is a good day to put the work in. Every day is a good day to put the work in. I believe in having a day of rest. We we've uh, committed to keeping the Sabbath day holy, you know, and, and the Sabbath day, a lot of, there's a lot of debate around what is a Sabbath day, but I'll tell you this, I've dedicated a day to God to where I'm not working. I'm not doing work for myself to make money. I'm designating a day that this is a day for God. I'm going to not work. I'm going to designate it to God to give this day to him as a Sabbath, as a holy day. But let me tell you the other six days is time to work. There's Never a time you shouldn't be putting the work in. Well, Dylan, you know, I work 40 hours a week and that's good enough. That's fine. I'm not saying that's not good enough or it is good enough. And I'm not just talking about your job. I'm talking about you should constantly be putting work in that in the future, it will hold a harvest for you. Point number five again, in the future, these will produce a harvest for you. Every day is a good time. Turn to Genesis 26, every day is a good time to put the work in. Genesis 26, Genesis 26. You may have heard this story before, but there's a story about Isaac and there's a famine. Let me just read it to you. Genesis 26 and one. 
26 and 1. There, there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. So there's a famine presently in this land. And then Isaac takes some action during this time. Do you understand what a famine is? It means it's not producing. You could say our country's in famine right now. People are calling it uh, inflation from the dollar that things are becoming so expensive. But I'm going to tell you right now, middle-class families, wealthy families, families that are in poverty, there's a very fine line uh, or there's a, I wouldn't say fine, there's a very dramatic line between the two now where there used to be this fading line from the poverty to middle class to the upper class of what would financially status. There ain't no middle class anymore status. You're either wealthy or you're in poverty. And there's really not an in-between anymore based on statistics that we see from national uh, numbers is people are hurting right now. You could say our country is experiencing families are experiencing famine in their life, not being able to produce enough for their life. And in this time, it says there was a famine in the land. Jump over to verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land. So the land that there's a famine in, Isaac is sowing, putting work in, putting time in, putting the things that will eventually produce a harvest. Remember, you sow something, it doesn't immediately produce. So there's things that Isaac's sowing, but watch. And he reaped in the same year. So it may not have been that day, but it may have been three months later. It may not have been that day, but it may have been six weeks later, may have been six months later. But Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year. Every day is a good time to put the work in. And hundredfold he he reaped that year, and the Lord blessed him. And the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds, great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him because of how wealthy he was. Jump over to verse 18. Verse 18. And Isaac dug again. Now, remember, there's a famine in this land. And Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And he called them by names, which his father had called them. So point number six now. Point number six. There is a lasting effect. When bad times come, there will still be a harvest left to come. When bad times come, there will yet be harvest left. And think about this, what happened. Just listen to this for a second. Again, in 26 and 1, there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. So even his father, Abraham, had famine during that time. But look what happened because Abraham sowed. Because Isaac put time in, went back and dug up the wells from Abraham. Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. So now he's going and pulling from what was a lasting effect. Turn with me in the book of Amos. It's a hard one to find. It's a minor prophet and a minor prophet in the Old Testament. But Amos chapter nine, there's a lasting effect that when bad times come, there will be yet harvest left. Amos nine. Amos 9 and 13, behold, the days are coming. Now, this is a prophecy for Israel, but these things can apply to me and you. If it's happened for them, it can happen for us. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who has seed. So in other words, as you put the work in, if you'll do this enough, you'll produce what in, in sales, we call it a pipeline. 
where you've produced so much work ongoingly, where eventually that work will overlap the effort that you're doing and you'll be producing while you're sowing. So as you put the work in and you continually sow and continually sow, you're going to see produce in your life happen at the, as well as while you're sowing. These things are going to take place together. We In sales, we call it a pipeline. When you first start in sales, there may be, let's, let's call it 30 days between the time you actually sign the contract, make a sale to the time you actually get paid the commission. There may be 30 days there. Let's just say hypothetically. Well, what are you doing? If you start day one, you make a sale, it's going to be 30 days before you get to touch that money. You get to have some of the money from the sale that you made. Well, if you do that daily and you constantly go out and you get a sale, you sell that car, you sell that house, you sell that job, et cetera, you make a sale daily, weekly, eventually you're going to hit day 30 when that sale you made 30 days ago, you're getting paid on that now, but you're still producing sales. So now week one of, of day 31, you're getting paid on jobs from a month ago that you sold. And now that cycle begins to come. We call that a pipeline. This is what you do for your own life. You don't stop when things get, get hard. You don't buckle down and hunker down and start saving money and start tightening everything up. No, you put more work in. You continue to dig the wells that were once presented for you from God. That's what needs to happen so that later when you've put the work in and bad times do, do come again, from all the work that you have been putting in, you'll have something to have during the bad times. It won't always be, it, the season may be bad, but it doesn't have to be bad for you. That's the key. The season around you may be bad, but it doesn't have to be down for you or bad for you. Keep sowing and you will keep reaping. Keep sowing and you will keep reaping. Put the work in, put the time in, put the effort in. Put the, t the, the study time and the work time for your business, for your side hustle. Put the work in. Sow the seed. Give God. When he asks to sow, sow. Be obedient. And you'll reap harvest during bad seasons so to keep you sustained through life. Hope this helped you today. This has been the morning devotional, 6 points at 6 a.m. What to do during bad times in your life. Be sure to share this, subscribe on the YouTube channel, help us get to a thousand, we're on our way. Be a part of the first thousand subscribers on my YouTube channel. Be blessed, I love you, and I'll see you on the next podcast. Talk to you soon, bye-bye.